think that most people would say that teenage beauty pageants are a good idea? Oh, yeah, sure. I know what some of your big city no bra wearing hairy legged women libbers might say. They might say that a pageant is old fashioned and demeaning to the girls. Yeah. What sickest women dressing like men? Oh, you yes, betcha, Iris. Indeed. No, I think you boys are going to find something a little bit different here in Montrose. Mm -hmm. For one thing, we're all God fearing folk, mm -hmm. every yes. last one of us. Mm -hmm. And you will not find a back room in our video store. No, <laughs> no, 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 that filth is better left to the Sin Cities. AKA Minneapolis St. Paul. Hey everybody, welcome back to Uncanny Cinema. We are coming hot off the heels on Porkin' Across America, which was a very dark American satire. And we are going to be now looking at Drop Dead Gorgeous, which is a somewhat dark, somewhat bubbly American satire from 1999. This was a movie that uh, was directed by Michael Patrick Jan. He was a member of the state with David Wayne. He also worked on Reno 911. He co-wrote Let's Go to Prison. And he directed episodes of Little Britain, amongst other things. Um, and it was written by Lona Williams, and she also wrote the movie Sugar and Spice. She worked on The Drew Carey Show. She appears in this movie as a judge. Um, and she was like a former participant in Minnesota beauty pageants, which is where she got the idea for this film and that she, um, you know, crafted, pulled from different experiences. So what this is, Drop Dead Gorgeous, is a movie that's focused on a Minnesota beauty pageant that's part of like a national beauty pageant they have they go on to like state and regionals and then like a finals and so we are watching various contestants and people in the town as the beauty pageant is unfolding and it's all presented as a mockumentary so similar in style to Christopher Guest movies so there's a lot of talking head segments a lot of segments where you know characters are just living out their lives while a camera crew is watching and then there's occasional um like footage uh like insert footage that they have from other you know cameras and things security cameras that kind of thing so it takes that mockumentary style which is now very popular um, not just christopher guest but like parks and rec and the office and other things and then it satirizes small town american life satirizes beauty pageants um it um the movie got uh, mixed reviews when it came out, uh, and I was looking at some of the reviews. I was surprised it, it got worse reviews than I would have thought it did. Um, it like I don't abide by like Rotten Tomatoes very much, but you know if you do go by that, it, I think it had like a forty-six percent, um, and it's you know reviews at the time were not particularly you know they weren't fond of it. It was kind of like ah, it just doesn't make it there. It isn't good enough kind of thing, and it was a box office flop. It cost about 10 to 15 million to make. It made 10 million. It likely should have been making, you know, maybe like 30, 40 or something, you know, to be seen as like successful and everything. But yeah, so it definitely uh, didn't do well, but it has attained a cult following in the years since. Um, there were some articles that were written about it for the 20th anniversary in 1990, of 1999, so 2019. That it actually was showing up on some like streaming services for the first time and a lot of people who have grown up watching it um, are you know big fans of it and kind of just like cherish it as a film so it's definitely like kind of an undiscovered movie that i think if you didn't see at the time 
you likely just wouldn't have known about it unless you've had somebody introduce it to you, which is what I had. Um, the first time I saw this was in college in the 2000s, and I actually have the person on the podcast who originally introduced it to me. So I don't know if he saw this in the theater or caught it on HBO or whatever, but we'll find out uh, where he came across Drop Dead Gorgeous originally. So um, that's kind of the crux of what's going on with this movie. Uh, as far as the cast goes, it is pretty stacked. There are a lot of people in it, including people I forgot were in this. So we have Kirsten Dunst as the lead, uh, very young Kirsten Dunst. All the pageant contestants are supposed to be 17, and I think of all the main people, I think she's the only one that actually was. Um, everyone else, were they were like in their mid to late 20s. So this is, uh, she had done Interview with a Vampire, I think like 92 or 94, I'm not sure. Um, 94 probably, based on her age, but... Um, so she had been in some movies for a while, but she was still kind of emerging. So this is all pre-Spider-Man and everything. Ellen Barkin plays her mom. Allison Janney is a family friend. Denise Richards is a rival uh, pageant goer. Kirstie Alley is Denise Richards' mom. And they, they're like significant characters in it. And we also have Brittany Murphy shows up as a secondary character and Amy Adams in her first film role, which I completely forgot she was in this movie. So Amy Adams pops up as another contestant. Adam West has a brief part that I wish was much longer. I wish he showed up again at the end. I was, it, was, it teases you of like, oh yeah, okay, he's got some good bits. And I was thought, oh, he must come back at the end. And he doesn't. Um, so Adam West is very briefly in this. And then uh, Thomas Lennon plays the documentarian, which you never see him on camera but you hear him talk and he's officer dangle from reno 911 and a bunch of other stuff um you know he's been in movies and stuff uh in acting roles and then he's written a lot of stuff as well because i believe he is like uh friends with michael patrick jan i think they've worked on various projects together um there's some other people uh familiar faces character roles one of the guys from mad tv is on it uh is in it uh will sasso i think so he shows up and then you know there's a few other people you might recognize from things but those are basically the major people in the cast all right which leads us to our cast of characters here so um everybody here has seen this once before with the exception of one person so everybody else is going into this having seen it one person is totally new so we have uh, Jess joining us, who uh, has been on many of our episodes. And Jess, you watched us for the first time, like, uh, during the pandemic, right? Like, last year? Yeah, I watched it for the first time last year and was delighted to watch it again today. So yeah. I'm excited to talk about it. <laughs> All right. And uh, Dusty, you, uh, you were the person who first introduced this to me, and uh, I assume you've watched it several times over the years. Uh, yeah, it's one of the few DVDs that I um, both own and watch. Um, but yeah, I, I had initially saw it in theaters. I was working at uh, the Santa Marta Gehenna Movie 16 at the time, and I had promised my mom we would go see a movie for free that weekend. And when we showed up, everything we wanted to see was sold out. And the only thing that we could see was this movie called Drop Dead Gorgeous, which I knew nothing about. And we got in there right before uh, the opening credits finished, and I just instantly fell in love with this weird-ass movie. <laughs> All right. And uh, we also have joining us here Katie. And 
Katie, is this the first non-musical you've been on for us? Yes. So thank you for having me. Um, I really appreciate you knowing that I like other things also. <laughs> I Yeah, this was the first time I had seen this movie, but I had been aware of it. And I, because it was one of the previews of a videotape that I owned, I am... I do not remember what the VHS it was on was because I don't think I know for sure I had Titanic and I know I for sure had Shakespeare in Love and neither of those I don't look don't make that expression Dusty um, <laughs> what they're both fabulous movies from both, time Gwyneth Paltrow in that little boy wig not all right let's let's not let's not go there. Um, <laughs> She's an adult, um, but I, I I knew about it specifically because I'd seen the, the the previews a bunch of times, so I knew that it was a dark comedy. I knew it involved a beauty pageant, and I knew specifically that something fell and hit a girl while she was on stage. But I I did not know it was a, a mockumentary. I I I was pleasantly surprised throughout the whole time, and I had heard about it and. And as in the context of, oh, you would probably like this, but sort of like how I've never seen Heathers, I never saw this for some reason. I, I want to see Heathers also, so <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get there. All right, so uh, so that's our cast for this. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to open with. I'll say that uh, it, you know it does operate as a mockumentary, but there's also sort of like a you know, uh, I, I, I hesitate to call it a murder mystery thread because there's not really a whole lot of mystery to what's going on. It, it's kind of out there and in your face. I would say that is, for me, we can talk about later, like one of the parts that I think they could have shored up a little bit or strengthened. But there is a thread of like, there are some like deaths of some that could be intentional, some could be accidental that are played out through the film. So, and then the movie plays with that um you know in, in kind of like a dark way so um while all the uh the mockumentary aspects are going on while all the beauty pageant stuff's going on so this is like another aspect that's working throughout it all right so what do we make of drop dead gorgeous well let me ask i i certainly do not but do either of the three of you have any sort of familiarity with or experience with how much do you, did you guys know about the beauty pageant world before you watched this it, i didn't neither of you neither of three of you looked like probable pageant contestants but how, how <laughs> take that jess me. how goddamn dare you i mean i did like one pageant in high school what tell us i it won was... some uh, baby beauty pageants as a child <laughs> I have trophies and everything. Wow. <laughs> and your skin is yeah, just that, Jess. <laughs> Sorry, Jess, you were you were um, in something. Yeah, I I did one pageant uh, in high school. It was called Queen of Queens. And it was uh I don't know, it was kind of just like just for our high school though. Like there wasn't like a next level to it. It was kind of like I think, as far as I can remember, I think it was just like in our high school, it wasn't like you're going on to different like state and nationals and stuff. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It was whatever. Like we, you know, went to David's bridal and got a dress and, uh, you know, we all had different talents. What was your talent? And, what was your talent, uh, Jess? 
I sang. Beautiful. Um, and I, I don't know why, but I sang Angel by Sarah McLaughlin. This <laughs> <laughs> is just the <laughs> slowest, most depressing song. <laughs> and then, like, so I had that song. And my, do you still like, remember the lyrics, Jess? Can you can you give us? Do you still remember the lyrics? Can you give us a taste? I sure cannot. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember like my show choir director helped with that song, um, so we did that. And then at graduation, someone who was supposed to perform got sick, and so I sang "Angel" at graduation. This is- and it was like this makes no sense. What is going on? This, y- so. You are the you are the Kirsten Dunst in the Queen of Queens pageant. Mm-hmm. Exactly 100%. right. <laughs> Through misfortune, you prevailed. Yeah, and for, for all the, the young folks out there, uh, Angel by Sarah McLaughlin, if I'm remembering right, is the song that plays at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning when there are pictures of sad dogs that you only you yeah. can say for a dollar a day. Isn't it? It's like, in the arms of yes. the nature. Yeah. Such an uplifting, inspirational yes. song. Mm-hmm. For some reason, that's what I wanted to do, so... For just two dollars a day, you can stop the hatred. Oh. <laughs> Poor dogs. Yeah. Those um, those don't just run at two a.m. Those sad animal commercials run at all hours because yeah. they haunt me. Look, if we yeah. give those dogs money, they're just going to spend it on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> those cats. Let them. Cats, those cats just won't stop having children they can't afford. <laughs> So what do we make of Drop Dead Gorgeous? <laughs> oh, man. I, I, like I said, I did not know that it was a mockumentary at first, and I was delighted to find that out. I thought that that really worked for the movie, too, because basically the show is in a very sort of weird Minnesota town, and it's about these very weird but somewhat likable sort of, depending on the character's characters. But I I appreciated the sort of what the like the like what is happening distance of the mockumentary crew because I was also feeling like that and it would have been hard to take it all even if it was supposed to still be a dark comedy it would have been hard to like take it seriously without that also audience insert being like this is this is weird but I thought I really liked it and I liked um. Kirsty Alley was a rebel. This is, is this maybe the best work she's ever done? I think so. She, so she plays the mom of Denise Richards and basically is the pageant plan, president of the pageant planning committee. She used to be a pageant queen and is very obviously living out her past glories for her, with her daughter Denise Richards, and who is, of course, you know, shockingly beautiful, and they also are like the wealthiest family in town. So it's very, um, it's it's very like clear setup between her and then the Kirsten Dunst character, who's the underdog. But I, Kirsty Alley can be very funny, and I I sort of I get so some not that I've thought about Kirsty Alley in several years. Like let's be clear. But I, I sort of forgot that she could do other things besides, like, be a semi-professional fat person. So Or or tweet about Donald Trump. Yeah. When I looked up her, her Wikipedia page recently, I was like, oh, I, I vaguely remember hearing about that. And I'm disappointed. But mm-hmm. 
Yeah, she was like hardcore Trump supporter, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she and she's also a Scientologist. So yes. yeah. just, you know. See yeah. the perfect catch. Just, yeah, just you know, <laughs> interesting judgment choices all around. But once upon a time she was in Drop Dead Gorgeous, Cheers and Star Trek. And how I knew her when I was little, which is um uh who's talking or what oh yeah look, 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 look who's talking, look who's talking. She's so good in that look too. who's talking yeah. to they're still talking three and then so forth <laughs> they're still talking they won't stop talking it was God look it was yeah. look who's talking now and the dogs were talking yes then. the dog yeah. i do remember that um but yeah she was very funny in this in this part especially um at the the big her big dramatic moment, which, you know, I'm sure we can do a little plot summary yeah. of as well. But I, I truly, I was like, this, when Kirstie Alley dies, this should, this speech should be in her model, you know, in her, in her just... reel. <laughs> I, I don't know how many people are going to watch or make that reel, but she was, she was a, her and Alice and Jenny were both just probably line for line the funniest parts for me. I thought they were both yeah. really good. So... All right, Jess, opening thoughts. You're still fairly new to this one, so uh, what what do you got from this viewing and your last viewing? <laughs> yeah, um, when I first watched it last year, um, you know, it's a movie I always heard about but had never seen. It was kind of just a big blind spot, but I knew it was really popular, especially with, like, I don't know, people that we hang out with, um, you know, always seem to love this movie. Um, and so, yeah, walked in knowing nothing, not even really – knowing the cast besides what was on the cover and uh was like oh my god Brittany Murphy oh my god Amy Adams like oh like it's just the cast is stacked it, like you said it's just ridiculous and yeah I didn't know it was a mockumentary and I loved that because it did feel very Christopher Guest um and I just thought like I thought Kirsten Dunst was really amazing in this too like I think everyone's just giving like their top performances I was obsessed with everyone. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm watching it again today. Um, I bought the Blu-ray because I was like, yeah, this is one I should probably own. Uh, <laughs> so I <laughs> watched that today. And, um, yeah, I was like, I just can't get over, like, how on point everyone is and just, like, how, how many jokes per second they're making. <laughs> the, like, the script is ridiculously good. It's just, like... And so subtle, like, um, I wrote down a few of the lines, uh, just like, and I'm sure it's partly the lines and partly like the Wisconsin accent are, uh, that like make them really funny. But like when the girls, like one of the contestants, uh, is obsessed with dogs and she had to get rid of her German shepherd because it bit her. And she was like, they remade my belly with skin from my butt. (laughs) I was like, I don't I've been saying that all day since I watched this movie. <laughs> I just can't stop saying it out loud. It just feels good to say. So, yeah, I mean, my impression is this is just like, I don't know. I haven't read the negative reviews, and I don't want to, because they'll just make me mad. <laughs> Dusty? Yeah, so as someone, you know, grew up in the early 2000s and developed a lot of problematic loves, um, I would, like, you know, my favorite movie was American Beauty. My favorite underground movie is Boondock Saints. And both of them <laughs> did not age well. <laughs> it's not very fun to watch anymore. 
Boondocks. Boondock, Boondock Saints wasn't good at the time. Oh, it no. wasn't, but I tricked myself into thinking it was. And and the two brothers were so handsome. I I know, right? Norman Reedus. Oomph. Oh. Uh, Sean Patrick Flannery. Yeah, no. Yeah. I recall. God damn. So my my worry whenever I watch something from that time period is always the same. Oh my god, I hope this aged well. And I hope I'm not going to embarrass myself by saying how much I love this movie. And really, with the only exception being Will Sasso's character and the jokes around it. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that was really uncomfortable. Well, let's talk about that coming oh, we up. Will. I, we I, will. I'm willing. I'm willing to defend the movie to a point on it, but yeah. it doesn't. It's it still doesn't play great today. Yeah. But I was genuinely shocked by how much of the rest of the movie was still extremely good. Um, for some reason, this time around, I got really locked on to just how much uh, Michael Vincent Jan. Am I remembering his name right? The director? Michael Michael Patrick Jan. I think Michael Vincent Jan yeah. is like somebody from an old TV show yeah. or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, but just seeing how, how well he framed audience reactions to people around the characters is I didn't realize how much that was making me subliminally laugh for years. And it's just, it's so well shot. Literally the entire cast is just up to up to 11. Even even folks where this was like their only movie are so freaking good in it. And it's just, yeah, Alice and Janie's wonderful. This, this continued to contribute to my Kirsten Dunst crush at the time. Um, makes me very happy. I I really hope this movie also got her that role on season two of Fargo because she knocked that out of the park as well. Yeah. That that had occurred to me. I was like, she's doing a Minnesota accent here and now she ended up on Fargo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I read that um, she got cast in this, not from like Jumanji or Interview with a Vampire. She hadn't done that much yet, but like from her appearance on Celebrity Jeopardy. Huh. Like the the uh, director was just like she was so um, you could just tell there was like a purity about her and just like a genuineness and like he was like yeah that's that's our girl like I loved that I don't know it's weird yeah I didn't see that cool I I got kind of forgot that real celebrity Jeopardy existed that, that it wasn't <laughs> solely an SNL creation. So I'm glad. I, I, I'm glad. I just stumbled upon it recently. I guess it's something that circulated in the last couple of years, but I guess like Wolf Blitzer was on Celebrity Jeopardy a few years ago and just got totally just wiped out. <laughs> like he was just awful on it and just like had like no points going into the final. <laughs> and like there's a compilation on YouTube of him like just getting <laughs> a lot of questions wrong. And Celebrity Jeopardy, if anyone's watched it, they usually aren't as hard a questions like real Jeopardy is. So I'm not saying Wolf Blitzer's dumb, but uh, somebody on the on YouTube <laughs> compiled a lot that sure makes it look that way. Well, and isn't he like a newsman? Yeah. yeah. I would think a newsman would know at least a little bit about n- news and the world. Um, pro- I, I don't he's, talk- just, he's just a pretty face. <laughs> <laughs> he is a living speaker. <laughs> All right, so for me, uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous, yeah, uh, Dusty showed me this years ago. We watched it in college. I don't know that I've watched it since. I've had the DVD for a long time. I recently got the Blu-ray. So it's been many years since I've revisited. I will potentially disappoint all of you in that I didn't think it was quite as funny as I thought it was going to be on revisiting. It's still good, but I thought there were a lot of, like, stretches where it was just kind of, like, 
there wasn't a whole lot that was getting me and then there would be like big laughs and subtle laughs and so there would just be like points where it was just kind of like ah, i don't know we could use something in here um but that doesn't mean that i wasn't enjoying it and i was definitely like really liking parts that popped up but i'll also say um to go along with that i think even when it's not being like super funny it's still very clever and still very charming so you're still i think at least me i'm still enjoying the movie watching it watching these characters watching this kind of weird quirky world even if it's not making me laugh like every second um but i'm sure if i revisit a lot of the like the three main christopher guest movies there would probably be sections where i'm kind of like eh, you know this part's okay you know so uh but that was my only thing on a on a reviewing of it but uh yeah i enjoy it it's definitely a lot of fun and uh it's definitely good like um undiscovered gem let me say i was surprised by how relatively plot heavy this movie was that it it was when i when we were watching it you know everything like kind of moved pretty quickly but there were all sorts of uh elements like uh the you know the farm girl obviously the, the the farm girl contestant obviously is killed in a mysterious farm thresher explosion <laughs> and then there's also the um you know the boyfriend or the few potential boyfriend who gets shot in the head in what is the by far gentleman caller i think is yes. the appropriate name i i i was watching that and, and kirsten dunce has one of her side jobs as a mortuary uh makeup artist i guess <laughs> and all i could think and this is of course because i'm a broken person was well wow his head would have been blown off <laughs> Yeah, it's just a very clean little hole. She's good at what she does, okay? Yeah. And then, um, of course, the, 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 there's the bit about, you know, Denise Richards becoming the president of the gun club now. And the, you know, her, the trailer exploding, which I thought was, that whole bit was very funny. Because Kirsten Dunst's character, Allie, or... Amber, Amber Adkins. Amber. Amber. Amber Adkins was is sort of a much more down on your luck but pure hearted and kind um, contestant, and uh, she lived in a trailer park with her mother, who is very, very funny and and very, <laughs> very dark, and with her BFF Allison Janney, and the tra- the trailer exploding, but then even more than that, the the mom who is burned badly in in the in explosion the the her arm and the way that a beer can has been fused to her arm <laughs> which is a bit that lasts for i at oh a, yeah a, at least most of the rest of the movie mm-hmm. eventually she just has a, a stump and then she's trying to open i think uh, a beer with her little new hook but i just thought that was so funny and and but yeah th- there's so many you know, it's not like it's a who done it or you know the most complex web of characters, but it, they they put a lot of movie mm-hmm. and a lot of plot into a pretty short movie. Yeah. Well, and not just that, but like I was surprised on rewatching it that the the movie sets it all up like the the pageant is this big deal. It's a big deal for the town, mm-hmm. and it's a big deal for all these characters. Certain characters, even I mean, some characters are just kind of like, yeah, I'll do this thing, but a lot of them are like, this is a major part of their lives, and then 
the pageant ends and there's like 20, 25 minutes of movie left. And I hadn't watched this in years. And I was like, so what happens now? <laughs> and so, you know, we'll spoil it. You know, obviously we always do spoilers on the show, but basically the, the pageant wraps up, which you could have had this movie just all self-contained, like waiting for Guffman. Like they just put on the show at the end and then there's a little recap on them talking at the end. But but that would have made sense narratively if if the final thing was the pageant. But they take it beyond that, and there is um, like a parade in the town, and some stuff happens there, and then they characters go on to like state and uh, I think nationals, mm -hmm. unless I'm okay. So so you, we see it like briefly, some like state and nationals, and then they eventually get to nationals uh, or state and regionals. Was there regionals in between? No, yeah. Anyway, just yeah, it's uh, local. Okay, state. so just state. Yeah. So they so they so they go to state, and then they go to nationals. Um, and it just kind of escalates and more insane things happen at each juncture, which are good and funny, but arguably you didn't need those things for this plot and set up to work. I mean, the ending, if they would have ended at the regular pageant, it could have worked. It would have been a downbeat, sad ending, but you could have played it funny in different ways. You could have like... the villains could have gotten their comeuppance in certain ways but yeah like to katie's katie your point like yeah they do like kind of just keep pushing plot and they don't you know they don't need to so that's something that i think to their credit that they uh you know they're trying to like give you an interesting developing story yeah i, I remember when i first watched it when it started when it hit that point where they were going to states it, it felt very weird and unnatural, and I imagine that's probably where a lot of the negative reviews came from, is that this movie's definitely not a traditional three-act structure. It's like you get your three acts, and then you get a mini-sequel. And it's... Yeah. I remember initially feeling very um, affronted by that for some reason, and then just towards the end, it's like, no, this is actually a really good decision. It's very weird, and it feels weird, but it works within the moment, and it tells the story in a lot in a lot clearer of a way and it's yeah it's a movie that takes a lot of very weird risks when it could have just been simply beauty pageant lull yeah i i agree with you that i was i thought that after they had the big parade and uh spoiler alert denise richards dies in the explosion of a <laughs> a shoddily produced mexican in firework including giant swan float and she explodes it explodes she dies kirstie alley has a really great villain monologue and then yeah. kirsten dunce is as the runner-up is is crowned queen with a singed crown at denise richard's funeral and i thought that that was the point that it would end at and i, I liked the parts after it and you know i did think that they were funny uh, one of my favorite parts was um when Kirsten Dunst and Allison Janney get find out that she the, that they get to stay at the, the Howard Johnson near the airport, airport, they are <laughs> they are so excited, and for some reason, I thought that was just it was one of the hard times I laughed the most because it was so so good. Allison Jan Janney's reaction is so intense and genuine <laughs> about about, about a, the airport hotel choice. But yeah, I agree that it it's sort of um, it's sort of it's an it's an unusual decision. I liked those parts, but I could have also seen how it would have been a uh, tidier narrative by having her crowned and then going into the sort of here's what's happening with everyone now of it all. 
Well, stru structurally, yeah. when you're saying like a three-act structure, Dusty, it's possible, I mean, we'd have to break it down and look at the time of it, but it's possible like when Denise Richards wins, which we've, we've been following uh, Kirsten Dunst throughout, Amber Atkins, and she's our hero, and Denise Richards is presented as like being villainous. She's like from the rich part of town and they live in a big house and um, and her and her mom are both just like out for blood at all points. So we're not rooting for her at all. And we're definitely supposed to root for Kirsten Dunst. So you could possibly argue that we expect Kirsten Dunst to win even within a comedy. We're at least rooting for it. So when she loses, you could argue, well, maybe that's your second act break yeah. turn. That's where if you're if you're talking about like scripts uh, structure, that's where second act break at the end of that. That's where something um, kind of shatters the world that you've built up to that point. And that's where like it propels the plot in a different direction. So it is odd, like how much happens past that point. But maybe that's just because we all just assumed it was going to end with the pageant and it doesn't. Yeah. And so um, I don't know. We'd have to look at it and see if like maybe it does go past the point of where it could be a second act break. Maybe yeah. it's 10, 15 minutes later. I don't know, yeah. but well, and to get super grad school term paper about it. Um, I, I definitely feel like the, the extra ending we get really solidifies the, the overall moral that winning a bet beauty pageant really doesn't mean fucking anything. Um, that's something that's really hammered early on. Like you have uh, Kirstie Alley's character, wins the Mount Rose pageant and it's heavily insinuated that she got immediately pregnant after that to a very skeezy local furniture salesman and has then lived the rest of her life vicariously through her daughter. You have another win winner who's gone on to work the local pork factory and you have another who's become uh, the local librarian. And it's, just like, yeah, these are, these are things that you could be content doing, but everyone going into it has this idea that if you win a pageant, it's going to lead to fame and fortune and movies and everything you could possibly want. There's one there's more the winner. One. Yeah, yeah, there's one the more winner, winner, Dusty. Bye, my boy. Is the uh, anorexic oh, girl God. who yes. uh, has... <laughs> so painful. Oh, my God. What did you, what did, what did you guys think about Oof. that? Because... I, on the one hand, you know, certainly beauty pageants encourage, um, you know, unhealth. I, I don't even know how to say it. Un disordered eating and unrealistic mm. body image issues that are then sort of encouraged by society itself and then hyper encouraged by, uh, by the, by the beauty pageant of it all. But just uh, what, uh, what a, what a thing that I was like, I, I is I I don't I don't find this really a like un a bad choice like the way that I do about that Mad TV man, um, <laughs> but I was like this sure is a decision yeah. and and she just she's in and she's also in the movie more than I would have expected since she's just uh she keeps showing up and I keep being like are. Are you getting better? Are you getting worse? It seems to be a baseline. Are you going to die? Yeah. I mean, as, as a, as a follow-up to this, so the person who won the Mount Rose beauty pageant the year before um, is in the local hospital's uh, eating disorder wing, which is right across, apparently, from the burn unit wing, which is still one of my favorite jokes. Um, yeah. But yeah, but she... It's, I, like, it's definitely one of those things where it's walking a goddamn line. And... Yeah. 
I, I, I didn't yeah. have a problem with it because I feel it's satirizing beauty pageant culture. And uh, I, I think that's the target of it is like that, that this culture effectively did this to this girl that she ended up this way. So I don't think it's like acting like anorexia is like funny in any way. I don't think that's its goal. No. But, but a lot of the jokes are on her. Like, I don't know. It, it is. It's a, it does walk a fine line of just like, I get that it's satirizing the culture and like, you know, this is not a glamorous life that she led to, you know, win the pageant last year. But like, it's also just like a lot of the jokes are about her anorexia instead of like, I don't know. They, they just, some jokes work for me and yeah. some didn't. So Yeah, I would say. I think, yeah, I think some jokes work, some didn't. I think that you're absolutely right. It's intended to be satire of the, you know, it's uh, the beauty pageant world. It is, she, she is not intended to be like a, you know, a, a villain or deserving it or anything. I guess maybe, and I, I do think it, you know, it, it hit more than it landed, but I do think the fact, the fact that she came back a couple times, I would have liked her to be, not that there weren't a lot of flat characters like that girl who really liked dogs too much. Uh, I, 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 I do think that that was, uh, yeah, I, 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 in a perfect world, I would have liked either the satire to get a little deeper instead of just the, the, the basic joke or for her to be able to be a little bit more of a character, but, but it worked overall for me. Unlike the mad TV guy, what's his name? Will Sasso. Marks. Will Sasso. Will Sasso. I wasn't even close. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, well, let's let's jump into him in a second. I uh, I, I will say on the the former pageant queen though, one of the funniest laughs for me is when she's wheeled out in a wheelchair to reenact her previous yes. dance routine <laughs> yeah. and singing a song and like. That yeah. was real good. I did like that part. I was yeah. all her about attend, that. Her attending um, nurse like... sells it. Just that little jog she does across the stage. Just so plain. Oh, <laughs> yeah. so good. Yeah. And the, but this, Dusty. The song choice, uh, yes. Um, Dusty, you mentioned the Kirstie Alley thing and the, uh, like, getting pregnant. <laughs> that was one of the little subtle bits I liked about it. So there's actually, like, three moments, I think, where you get, the, there's, like, kind of this commentary on teen pregnancy in small town uh-huh. America because you get um, some other character. Amy Adams' um, character. Amy Adams. Amy Adams' ca- Amy Adams's <laughs> character mentions... Oh, and then you have the, 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 yeah, the, like, the grunge kid or the punk kid in the bathroom. That, yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's yeah. the one I was thinking of. Yeah. So you have, you have like a girl in the bathroom who's like clearly pregnant and smoking and drinking. You have Amy Adams' character implies that she's pregnant during the pageant. But then uh, Kirstie Alley's character, if you do the math, she had to have been pregnant during the pageant because the pageant is for 17-year-old girls. She mm-hmm. won it at 17. Her daughter's 17 now. Yeah. And she says she says when she introduces her daughter, like, 17 years ago, I won, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So, so she was pregnant during that. So I like that <laughs> as just a little subtle thing thrown in there. Uh, but yeah, so let's go. Uh, Will Sasso, Dusty, you want oh, to take Look, us on this it, one? I'm I'm so conflicted just because there there are moments where just the way that Will Sasso delivers some lines that if 
Like, if it had just been alluded that that's just how he talks and there's nothing wrong with him, some things might have been funny. Um, but there's a lot of use of the R word, and there's a lot. Yeah, that's, I was like, they yeah, love that R word. Yeah. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of moments that are just very uncomfortable. And he doesn't go, he doesn't go full R as much as he could have. I, I didn't. Just, I didn't have a problem with his performance as much as I had a problem with them yeah. saying that as much as they did. Mm-hmm. I, I will say, cause I'm, I'm analyzing it as I'm rewatching it and I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, it was not like even really acceptable in 1999. People still said it, but it was still like, you know, something that was on the wane of like, we don't use that. And now we certainly don't. But I think, I think the goal with that is I think they're having many characters say it to make them seem like small town, mid American country bumpkins that they're out of touch and being offensive. The problem with that is two things though. I think you don't have them saying any other like slurs. Mm. So you just have that one slur. So you don't have, you don't have anything to do with race or anything else. You're not going to like a super dark place where like characters, you know, like kind of idiot characters are like saying stuff. So it's just kind of that one slur. And then the other thing is, well, I, I could be, I could be missing something. I well, I could, hang on. So there's that. And then it's just said so often, <laughs> like, it's not just a couple times. It's like, I didn't count, but we might've hit double digits. It was like five to eight. Yeah. I was kind of keeping count. Um, I mean, the, the librarian <laughs> does use a slur for the Japanese at one point. Yeah. Um, okay. And we we do need to talk about the Japanese American family yep. that has the white yep. cast that has the like that could have been cut. It should have been cut. Let me go back to the Mad TV man, Matt Mark Sissel. Matt Sissel. Will Sasso. Will Sasso. Will Sasso. It doesn't matter. Adele Dazeem. Huge. God damn it. I'm, well, I'm sorry. I don't know the cast of Mad TV as well as I should. <laughs> <laughs> um, I. I was, you know, I watched it for the first time uh, this week, and I was like, oh, it felt, it didn't feel out of character for the movie as a whole in terms of, like, wow, I can't believe this movie did that. But more of a, like, everything, nothing was like, wow, that's, nothing was popping for me as, like, it being 1999, like, oh, oh, 20 years, this is a 20-year-old movie, until till that his first scene and i was like whoa this is something we're doing huh that's me mm-hmm. and we kept you know and i know that mad tv was big in 1999 but man they really utilized him a mm-hmm. lot so i i don't yeah they, and they don't i would say um that that was the one thing where i was like oh okay yikes but at the same time i'm not gonna act like that part where his his part of his his overalls are caught in the car <laughs> is not very funny. He, what happens is his the reason this character exists is because he is the um the, 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 he is the brother of the one son. of the coaches. He's their son. Yeah, son. Oh, mm-hmm. really? No, I thought yeah. he was no. the brother yeah, he, of the He's the a brother. son. I thought look I'm pretty sure it's his son. He calls him by his first name and oh, says, but... like, mom died or something. I like assume that. That I thought they were brothers also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it doesn't really matter. Suffice it to say, he the, the, his his caretaker is the judge. And it, towards the end of the movie... Actually, actually, back up. I think you're right, because I did look up that second actor, the guy who was the judge. 
and I saw because he he's a character actor. He's been in a bunch of stuff, and he's like sixty five now. So he would have oh, been about shit. forty yeah. forty three then. And Will Sasso is probably in his thirties. So yeah, he must have been the brother. I just assumed it was his son, but yeah. Vindication. <laughs> um. Uh. But uh. The, the the judge brother son father gets out and and uh leaves and is not listening to uh to the mad tv and he somehow slams the car door while his overalls are still inside so he's leaning out from the car trying to get free and then eventually it cuts back to him and these local kids are picking at him <laughs> and they're picking on him and he's trying to fight them and then it cuts back to him again and he has managed to grab and is is grab one of the other local kids and is, has him in one hand and is taking the the cotton candy the kid is having and eating it in his mouth with the other and it is that part is is so funny that it's i'm like i want i don't want this this character in general but i want he, that part to stay uh-huh. in the movie this- the, uh, comedy is so he, good. Yeah. he also there's a cut back to it it happens real quick but you eventually see that the bib overalls are left oh, there so just he torn. just got he got out of them and is like walking around naked yeah. it's the implication but my favorite bit of that is while he's stuck and he's trying to get away it comes up with a graphic over top of it that says like <laughs> it is the position of the documentarians to not interfere with their subjects <laughs> so they're he's just like, gonna let this staring happen. into the camera yelling help there is a camera crew standing 10 feet away from him just watching <laughs> these children attack this man but i do i i, I do want to talk about the um the, the the i would say primary uh minority uh roles in this film which are that there is there is a one of the contestants a sort of ancillary contestant uh, who is white, who has uh, both, I don't know what e- ethnicity or nationality they were, but both, you know, East Asian parents who who speak with a pretty heavy, like, kind of accent. Like, I'm sure that that's not how the actors talk normally, shall we say. And the whole bit is that they, um, they, they got to America to adopt this and immediately adopted this white daughter because of to be more American and so they're making and part of her act is to do a country western bit because you know yay America and I thought the whole thing I was like what what is this bringing to the to the movie and I agree I still feel that way but the part at the end when they're doing the end of the pageant this pageant is themed you know uh, proud to be an American or by American they're all themed about America Mm -hmm. and she has this part where they come up and she says what she's proud about and she's like I'm proud to be an Asian American <laughs> she of course is white and I thought that, that I thought that bit was like very funny and I was like again that part that that bit that line is kind of is funny because obviously she's not an Asian American because she's white um and I wish we could have that line and the the bib overalls bit without the other parts that threw me exactly threw me yeah. 20 years later that they, they stood out as being like ah this is like it's not it's not like it's so over the top that this is like oh my god i can't believe they filmed this but is i jarring a little bit like oh yeah 1999 was different uh-huh. yeah. yeah i just like 
going back to Will Sasso's character, like, I just don't know his purpose. Like, he didn't bring anything to the actual story. Like, there was nothing involving him with the story of, like, anything. I don't know. Like, he, I guess he made the judge more of a character and, like, how he interacted with him. But, like, you don't need that. You don't, I don't know what he was, his purpose was. It was just to be to show how, like, backwards this small town is, I yeah. guess. Yeah, it is interesting that, like, both his character and that entire family, like, the most problematic things in in our, that we look back on now could have been cut and nothing would have changed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to bring up one other thing about that that really struck me, and not in a bad way, but really was like, wow. Everybody is smoking in this movie. All right, that was such a they, great addition. I love eventually, that. I was like, is this just how much people smoked in the 90s? And eventually I was like, no, 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 no. They're doing it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, well, and it's small town Minnesota, right, too, small, so that's and, an aspect of yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Um, so, yeah, but I did. I, at first I was like, wow. I was just, like, taken aback to see, not the, the girls in the bathroom necessarily, because, like, don't, haven't we all known teenage girls that smoke in the bathroom instead of going to mm-hmm. class? Uh, but perhaps Je- perhaps Jess was one of them. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, just like the amount of smoking, like was it, it was it was I was like, damn. Yeah, I, I forgot that they, people don't smoke in movies anymore. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt. I was like, wow, oh, yeah. I didn't realize how long it's been since I've seen a lot of people smoke in movies until. Yeah, uh-huh. probably one of my favorite gags with that too is after uh, Amber's uh, mom's house gets exploded. There's a fireman. Uh, who, fireman. He's just he's like not even holding the cigarette. He's just smoking as he uses a fire extinguisher to put out the <laughs> yes. embers. It's, yes. it's so fucking good. That is really yeah. good. Well, when the mom is in the hospital, too, mm-hmm. uh, like, in the burn ward, she's like, if you don't come back with a pack of luckies, like... <laughs> and she's like, during, it's just... and during the show, she's ashing into the fucking can that's welded to her hand. <laughs> it's, oh, it's so good. So, let me ask you guys this question. Uh, besides, besides the Kirsten Dunn's character, of the pageant ladies, who, who, who was your... Who stood out to you? Who was your favorite? Was it the girl who really liked dogs? Was it the girl that was talking about comedically, or I don't know, just just uh, yeah. If you if you really like feel like you were the most attracted to the contestants, that's fine too. Whatever you. I just I'm not sure the question is because young Amy Adams is smoking in this movie. I'll say that she is, and for such a serious actress now, (laughs) young Amy Adams. First film baby being the like sexy slutty cheerleader was right. wild. Oh. I loved her and I loved Brittany Murphy. Oh my God. Um, just like Brittany Murphy's manic laughter, everything she said, it was just kind of like ended with just like her just giggling at nothing. And I was like, what is good? Like to the point where she was snorting and everything. I'm just like, God, I love Brittany Murphy. <laughs> yeah, to when the, the, the document the, the, the documentarians sort of end up having to cut away, she <laughs> will not stop laughing. Oh, oh, one one of the side bits I like. Um, I think they probably g- could have given like more lines. I think the actress did a good job, but you know maybe they could have given her some more stuff. But I like the contestant whose um, talent is acting. And she's going to do part of Soylent Green. Yes. 
Um, so I enjoyed that as a side bit. Yeah. I like she was like going back and forth between Othello and Soylent Green. Like, I'm impressed she told the whole story of Soylent Green in what I assumed to be five minutes. No, no, no. I, yeah. I assumed the opposite. I assumed that they she was on the stage for a long time and they all had to watch her <laughs> tell the story of the movie Silent Green, which I assume at least some of the audience has seen. Mm-hmm. I, I would also say that um, <sighs> there's that character who decides to do singing and dancing while interpreting Oof. sign language. Yeah. Oh my god. What 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 did I miss on that? Because she gets hit in the head and then they find some of the other girls say, Oh, well she she actually went deaf and so she's like very happy about it. So it's kind of like played as a joke that she's pleased with the result. Did she come from a family of I people think her who family, were deaf? No, no. 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 But that's why I also was watching and I was and I was I was asking, I was like is is so is her is she into sign language because her mom is deaf? Yeah, I, I thought and I missed I was something. Like, I her no, mom was, she's no. just like um, you know how some people are really into Star Trek. She's like just it seemed like was just very into like she was a deaf culture appropriator. Yeah, yeah. I, I am so. <laughs> oh my god. I am so curious what the deaf community thinks about this movie because like just just. Yeah. Her intensity of hand signing, like the the various letters, instead of like just going to the word. And <laughs> yes. I I hope that that there were like, I I don't know sign language super well, but I hope there were times that she just spelled out words instead of going to ones that actually existed. She she definitely did. She she I know that there was yeah. one word that she signed out and it was really long. And I was, I was there's a word for this. I don't know what exactly. the sign is, yeah. but. There has to be a word for this. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I'd be, I'd be really curious. Which girl was it? <laughs> um, I also, another quote, I mean, this movie has a ton of quotes, but like one that I had to write down uh, was in the pageant when they are all um, telling people why they love America. And so like, um, you know, Denise Richards has Mount Rushmore on her head. And like, so they all have like these head pieces of like, Brittany Murphy has a Statue of Liberty because she loves New York. She's trying. Um, she's trying to light her torch, but cannot. <laughs> yeah. <do it> <laughs> but which one is it who has the world's largest ball of twine? Yeah, yeah. And she's like, I think I, I kind of misunderstood the assignment. Yeah. yeah, test the girl obsessed with dogs. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Good. Yeah. Think... And the, then the other girl had the atomic, the mushroom cloud of an atomic bomb on her. <laughs> And she was like, I love America because of our commitment and development to atomic energy. Very, I'm glad she was didn't say something about the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, yeah. which I was sort of expecting, but it was such a such a funny, unexpected choice. Yeah. I did love the the heavy parody of like the small town America patriotism and the over the top mm-hmm. uh, of it all because. Just because Kurt, they ask Kirstie Alley, like, oh, what's, she has a sudden idea, and the theme is going to be, like, what I love about America. Yeah. And then previous themes had been proud to be in America, or <laughs> I can America, and and yeah. America can't stop. USA is A-OK. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yes. I, I, and I will say that that bit, that, that came back around to another line that I just, it was unexpected, and so I laughed so hard was when, they're at Denise Richards' funeral, and of course she had been killed by a swan, a, a giant swan that had been deliberately made in Mexico because of the poor materials and working conditions there. 
And so the the priest gives his little speech about, you know, life being lost (laughs) before it's gone. And then he says, and I think that this is a lesson that we can all learn from. This might be God's way of telling us. us. By American. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone solemnly nods. They're like, yeah, that's a good point, God. They just just was like, like, oh, man. That was such a smart but also dark bit to put in. So, uh, yeah, let's go around with some of our favorite bits. Uh, I've got a few I'll rattle off first here. Um, I like the grizzled old librarian who was the pageant queen, and then we find out she had to melt down her tiara for the war yes. effort. Uh, I quite enjoyed that. The, f- um, the photo of her, like, being sad while, while she's <laughs> having to put it in the can. Yeah. Yes. Uh, there's a part where... Kirstie Alley and Denise Richards, like, they go over to their house to show the family at home. The documentary crew is, like, filming them, and they have, like, a nice house and everything. And so that's setting the scene for who they are as people. And Denise Richards is inside, and she gives this, like, the creepiest better homes and gardens smile you could imagine yeah. just this like deranged like happy smile yeah. um so i had to rewind on that one i was like that's some solid comedic acting there uh surprisingly from denise richards so i like that um and probably my absolute favorite bit was so we've already said that kirstie alley um well, so Denise Richards dies in a huge fireball. The second person to die in a huge fireball in this film. Um, she dies, you know, from the swan. It's basically her parents doing because her dad got it from Mexico, like, cheaply. And then her mom, right before it happens, is saying that, like, oh, I picked out these fireworks myself. And, you know, so, and then she lights it and then she walks away and it's caught the thing on fire. And Denise Richards already had said that this smells like gasoline. So it's like... <laughs> Like, Kirstie Alley's character is, like, directly responsible. Like, she essentially kills her daughter, like, through, through you know, her own actions accidentally. Um, and so she's responsible. And then Denise Richards is just gone. We don't see anything, but it's clear she's dead. And Kirstie Alley starts screaming. And her reaction of seeing her that her daughter's clearly dead is, No! We gotta go to stage! <laughs> and that's like the high point of the movie for me. Like that that is exactly small town priorities. I yeah. lived there, I know that. That's real. Man. That's um doesn't she also say like the giant swan killed my baby? <laughs> so it's like, Hey, my baby. <laughs> as I was watching that, because she then goes on to, you know, confess her plan as because she tried to kill Kirsten Dunst and blah blah blah. I was watching. I was like, that could be a monologue that you audition with. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, she's just For sure. she's just she's wild, red eyed, wild, screaming. And that's why I was like, man, Kirstie Alley is killing it in this movie. Just a, I remember like from trivia I've read today about this movie. Um, Kirstie Alley was a Scientologist in 99 and like refused to try on any of her costumes. Like they had to be brought to her Scientology center for her to try on. I'm just like, oh, why were you already on that crazy train? Like (laughs) you're still so good. And like, is that a tenet? We at Uncanny Cinema do not uh, support Jess's comments about Scientology. (laughs) 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 You know what? I'm not even. All I'm gonna say is, is that like, 
alternate universe John Travolta and Kirstie Alley live pretty different lives. Mm. <laughs> Tom Cruise's, however, I think is probably the same. Yeah. That's, that was his path, yeah. But in terms of bits that are, that I think really, I, I'm surprised we've managed to go this long without talking about Kirstie, uh, uh, Denise Richards' talent show. Oh my God. Where she sings... The it's, Jesus bit is one of my favorites. In yes, <laughs> it's just too good to be true, and then wheels out. And as I was watching it, because she had gone on and on in her sort of um, soulless beauty pageant emphasis about how much she loves Jesus and what a good Christian she is. And so as she's singing it, I, I, I was like, oh no, is she singing about Jesus? But then... What rolls on stage is this crucifix on rolls that has a life-size Cabbage Patch doll-like <laughs> Jesus in a loincloth taped to the stage. And then she slow dances with the cross as she's singing. And I was, I was, in a movie that I would already thought was very funny that I had laughed at, I truly was like, oh my god, this is Isn't so like- funny. The arms are like velcroed on, yes. and she takes them off to like wrap <laughs> around. <laughs> and then she puts them right back on the fucking cross. Yeah, it's so <laughs> funny. <laughs> well, he yeah. has to die for our sins. Why did you crucify Jesus? <laughs> I love that bit, and then there's another bit where all the girls are doing a dance routine with ladders that have been (laughs) recently painted, um, and it just becomes a total mess, Uh, so that was fun. I I didn't think that would get me as much as it did. It's a really simple, dumb joke, but but the more it went on, the more I was like, oh my god, this is great. (laughs) I also, I really liked, so, so what happens is Kirsten Dunst, you know, by default, which by the way... I have also utilized that same method because I placed second in in the uh, Bar Association's Regional Negotiation Contest, but turns out that for some reason the Mid-Lakes region also includes Canadian teams, and then the team that went ahead of me was Canadian, so they got to go to internationals by default, which meant I got to go do the negotiating contest at Disney World, and the law school had to pay for it. And we didn't win, which was good, because then we got to spend another day at Disney World when it could have been competing. <laughs> so it was, it was, I was like, this is awesome. But so, Kurt, so Kirsten Dunst goes to states where she, again, wins sort of by default because literally every other contestant and the judges, everyone eats this this seafood because of course it's you know a $7.99 clam buffet shellfish shellfish and Kirsten Dunst doesn't because of you know whatever and so they are just violently puking from the atrium (laughs) everywhere and it's it's framed as a local news source right like chaos at local beauty pageant and that that bit goes on for a long time and oh yeah it it still works for me (laughs) but my favorite part is when they get she gets to national, she's super excited. She's going to like Biloxi, Mississippi, somewhere, uh, you know. And I think I think it's Alabama. Yeah, Lincoln, Alabama. Okay, okay. Um, I was close regionally, yeah. <laughs> but they, she, they all the girls line up and they get there. And Rose Cosmetics, which is the sponsor of this of this show, the entire business has gone bankrupt because of tax <laughs> fraud issues. So they get to this big fancy building and it is closed every, and the girls start raging out they start <laughs> screaming 
They are, they are, they begin smashing in the windows. They like, they pry the Rose Company cosmetics statue off of its base. (laughs) Throw it. It's just like, they go, like they become wild, feral animals. (laughs) So, it's so funny. And like, she just gets back on the bus and then the bus leaves without like every other girl. I was thinking that. I was like, all those girls need their luggage still. They need all their stuff. Oh my God. Um, so yeah, I can't believe we haven't touched on like the post parade, uh, like scenes yet. So, um, I think one of my favorite, um, the, the iconic duo of Ellen Barkin and Allison Janney is just like, I, I don't know how you top that. It's like, it is my favorite thing to come out of this movie. Um, and Allison Janney is, God, she's so good as, like, after Ellen Barkin's, like, injuries or whatever, um, when she's pretty much laid up in the hospital, um, you know, she's basically traveling with Kirsten Dunst, and she's a little horn dog, and I love her so much. <laughs> Um, and so just like when they're at the state competition, she's immediately just like at the bar flirting with the bartender. And then this whole shellfish debacle happens. She obviously didn't partake in dinner because she was, you know, drinking and hitting on this dude. Um, so, (laughs) oh, and the reason that Kirsten Dunst doesn't eat shellfish is because her mom told her, uh, don't trust food that like. They carry their house with them. That carry their house with yes. them. Like, you don't know if they cleaned it. Yes. <laughs> oh. Um, so, like, yeah, basically the puking off the atrium is happening. And Alice and Janney and this bartender stumble out of a hotel room. And she sees the puking. And she's like, oh, do you think they heard us? <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Oh, just a little line. But I was like, this is... Alice and Janney, you are just a treasure. Mm-hmm. You know, if I had to pick my favorite bit, at least this time around, the so Matt Rose has a mayor, and he has three scenes in this movie, and they're all <laughs> magnificent. Yeah, like the, the opening, yeah. the opening line that hooked me when I first watched it is they like pass this sign that says Mount Rose, home of the oldest living Lutheran. And he's just like, I've been telling the Shriners to take down that sign. She's dead as a doornail. It's like, take down the sign, you Shriner sons of bitches. You goddamn Shriners. Oh, it's so good. And then he gets to sing the Mount Rose Beauty Pageant theme song, which is just as bereft of anything creative as you would hope. And it's great. And then after Denise Richards explodes, he's the one guy clapping because he thinks it's part of the show. It's, It's just, it's such a fun through line for such a throwaway character like that dude got a lot to work with and it was really great but it's right up there with after the explosion of or how they intersperse in uh handheld camera stuff when it yes. comes to tragedy or just like that explosion and just one moment in the background yelling oh crap oh crap like oh crap just that, that <laughs> minnesota accent that's just so panicked and ah, oh, it's great it's just there, there, there really is so much going on in this movie and that makes me so happy. Um, but yeah, and also kind of piggyback on the uh, Beauty Queen's Blowing Chunks Man. It's um, one of my favorite playwrights, Shannon Pritchard. Is a, uh, she's a huge advocate of women doing gross shit in movies because that's just something that never happens. And so that whole scene is just, uh, it's comedic <laughs> gold, no matter how long it goes on. Yeah. It's, it's ugh. Let me ask uh, you guys. Too- 
sorry, you go ahead, uh, Linton. Oh, uh, just just two other quick ones that I really like, just kind of subtle things. And this isn't like a joke so much as I just like I appreciated it, and I'm sure at least Jess probably picked up on this. I would hope, given her background, but. I like when Kirstie, Kirstie Alley is overseeing the pageant. She has like total conflict of interest because her daughter's in it, right. but she oversees the whole thing. Um, and she dresses up in multiple costumes yes. throughout to oversee the pageant. <laughs> like she's at the Oscars or something. Um, and she's like switching costumes up. But I think the first costume she comes out in, it just has to be intentional. She's dressed like Belle from Beauty and the Beast when Belle dances yeah. with the Beast. Oh my God. And I looked it up. I looked it up to make sure she's wearing the, the the yellow ball gown, exact same color. She has her hair done up in the back like Belle. The only difference I saw was she has gloves like Belle, but hers are white. And I think Belle's match and they're yellow in the film. But but I think like I, it has to be intentional. Like and it and I think it's 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 likely intentional from the character's point of view. Like she's probably dressing up to look like <laughs> Belle. Um, so I like that little subtle thing. And the other bit. There's this like little minor throwaway lines a couple times about cops being referenced, the show yes. Cops, which was, you know, had run for decades, recently ended a couple years ago, I think, um, but was definitely very popular in the 90s. Um, so Cops had been mentioned by different characters, like, uh, you know, I think at one point maybe Allison Janney says, like, are we on Cops again? Uh, <laughs> when the when the camera crew shows up, might be somewhere else. But after Kirstie Alley does her giant rant, and there's like explosions and everything. And then she does a rant. Um, we have our documentary crew is filming all this. Suddenly the crew of cops shows up as <laughs> Kirstie Alley is getting pulled away in handcuffs. Cause they're just like, they, I guess they just like wander around the town looking for, for instances to put on their show. But so I love that they come in, but then they also know the documentary crew. Yes. And they, so they start talking to each other on camera, like, Oh, Hey Bill, how you doing? I haven't seen you in a while. I, I also, oh, I, one thing so in the end, um, uh, Kirsten, we haven't talked about this. Kirsten Dunst, at, at, uh, the, the, she is obsessed with Diane Sawyer, who once won the this beauty pageant, and she talks about her throughout the the, the thing and and says that she's very upset that she loses because Diane Sawyer might not like a loser. And in the very end, in the very end, Kirstie Allen's character escapes from prison. And goes on a six-hour uh, police uh, police state uh, shootout. Um, you know, at, active shooter situation. Yes, she and you see her on a roof in camo with like a big rifle, and Kirsten Dunst, Kirsten Dunst's character eventually gets to realize her dreams of going and becoming a news anchor because she, because the news anchor who's recording on the. the reporting on the situation gets shot by Kirstie Alley and immediately afterwards because you see it happen on camera Kirsten Dunst's character picks up the, the mic and starts reporting on the situation and they like her so much that she gets to take the reporter's place <laughs> and what I liked about it so much was this whole movie Kirsten Dunst's fresh face she's obviously like 
she's obviously beautiful. She's a movie star, but it's not overly made up in comparison to Denise Richards. And then it cuts to her having achieved her dream of being a news reporter. And she looks 20 years older because they give her that newscast. The helmet hair. That helmet yeah. Yeah. hair, the makeup. It's just, it's like such a stark contrast. You're like, and I was like, ah, okay. That part is very dark of like the, you know, reporter gets hit by a stray bullet and goes down. And, but it's not like a calculated thing on Kristen Dunn's part. She's just like very innocently like, oh, someone has to do this news now. Yeah. I guess I'll like. I don't know. She just remains pure through the whole thing. Yeah. I worry about what her career ended up like. Well, <laughs> just being in the news business for a few years. I don't know. I, you know, I, as long as Dark she, industry. As long as she kept away from Matt Lawler, I guess. Oh. <laughs> Topical. Roasted. Oh. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, though, because I was thinking about it, because... Actually, we, we, I, we, I watched this You're movie. thinking about Matt Lauer? Oh, no. Was, a was, side thing on Matt Lauer? I was thinking about, you know, he went to OU for about a year or two. And yep. then he did not graduate. Yep. So No, I, I think, he, didn't he go for all of it except, like, the last, he just didn't yeah, finish. I, was, I don't yeah. know. Mm. Whatever. Fuck yeah. him. Who cares? But I, hey, this, you wanted to talk about it, Katie. You brought you, it up. You distracted me. I was saying, I had been thinking, because after we watched Drop Dead Gorgeous, my girlfriend and I watched several episodes of a show she had never seen before, Toddlers and Tiaras, Ugh. which oh. is a much more real life, you know, it's a, it's a reality show, and it is so much darker than even Drop Dead Gorgeous. It is horrifying to watch. <laughs> but but bes- are, have, bes- what are other um, sort of like beauty pageant satire? Or, uh, is there anything else like Drop Dead Gorgeous? I couldn't really think of anything. Like, Miss Congeniality is probably the biggest one of, like, you know, but they're adults, so it's not as, I don't know, they're doing it because there's no, like, parent pressure behind, so it's not as dark as, like, this or Toddlers and Tears. Um, Little Miss Sunshine has it as an element, an element within it, it's not the the full crux of it, but. Watching, like, three-year-olds get spray tanned for their contest is, I I just was like, I, I, I couldn't look. I couldn't look away, but I eventually. Oh. But it's it's. I was like, this is such, so much even darker than the story where two people exploded about beauty pageants. Uh, Simpsons, uh, Lisa the Beauty Queen, which yes. predates this, and they had that Vaseline on the teeth thing oh, in yeah. uh, that episode. Well, so, actually, uh, actually, this the person who wrote this movie wrote that episode or worked on that episode well i she yeah she she i don't think she wrote when she was at the simpsons she said she like was a typist but she was involved uh in the simpsons production she said like by typing out scripts it like kind of helped her to learn stuff about scripts i don't think she ever wrote for the simpsons but she did write for the drew carey show and she wrote for something else um but yeah yeah so yeah i i really um at least the people involved here were all 17 years old instead of the, the four-year-olds whose lives have already been scarred beyond measure. Um, yeah. But, you know, these girls are all, you know, they were messed up before the movie and they'll be messed up after. Um, <laughs> the, the only person uh, who really stepped up besides Kristen Dunst was that girl who was so excited to be deaf, I would say. You know, she was excited. <laughs> well, I really liked... Also, Brittany Murphy, who just, like, quit because she was, like, 
my parents love my brother more anyway. Like, they only had me because he needed a kidney or something. It was a throwaway yeah. line. And, like, she quits the pageant to give Kirsten Dunst her costume because it's approved. Yeah. And I really liked that. And I'm sad that, like, we finally get to see these girls, like, form friendships and then we just, like, leave them. Yeah. So that's one thing that I'm like, oh, I wish you could have stuck with them a little bit longer because I really liked where that was going. But I did like that line that Brittany Murphy had where she said, like, this family can't have two Liza's or there you already have a Liza. <laughs> yeah. Her brother is um, a, a drag performer in New York City. <laughs> and I thought, wow, I miss Brittany Murphy. Just she obviously yeah. had, she obviously you had, you know, a. a a eventually fatal turn in her life, but yeah. seeing her in this, and you know, obviously clueless, but other movies, it's just she was she was such a um, sort of effervescent personality on screen, mm-hmm. very likable. She's so good, yeah. So uh, two stray things I wanted to put out there. Um, so we we talked about like Kirstie Alley's character; she is responsible for blowing up the first person who died, the girl who's presented as like, she wins everything that she's just like total, like overachiever. And so kind of off screen, she blows up on this tractor. She like goes over a hill and then uh, the camera like stays on it. And you're kind of like, Oh, what's, what's happening here. And then there's an explosion. So she's killed. The other girl gets uh, like a light dropped on her head. She had switched places with Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst was who many people in the town, think has a good shot although most people in the town think it's being rigged uh for kirstie alley's daughter anyway so um kirsten dunce like has a good shot the light was clearly meant for her kirsten dunce is piecing this together as we go along and so it hits the other girl um kirsten dunce's costume ends up going missing it's never confirmed but it's you know almost certainly kirstie alley did it the one though that i'm left confused by so there's a, we mentioned the gentleman caller. There is a guy who is like, uh, Denise Richards is trying to like go on a date with him and he's brushing her off and he's clearly interested in Kirsten Dunst. Denise Richards is bothered by that. We immediately follow that scene with like Denise Richards at a firing range, I think. <laughs> and that she's like, you know, some kind of like captain of the gun club or something. And then he ends up getting shot in the head and it said it's a hunting accident. And Kirsten Dunst mentions how it's odd of, like, how he got, like, shot, like, right between the eyes and stuff. Mm. Um, And Denise Richards gives some kind of, like, flippant line later of, like, oh, yeah, you know, just hunting's dangerous. But unless I miss something, it's there's never confirmation. Because Denise Richards was not responsible, theoretically, for any of the stuff Kirstie Alley was doing. She could have been in on it, but we were never given privy to that. So, like, you could just probably think, all right, Kirstie Alley is doing this on behalf to make Denise Richards win. But Kirstie Alley wasn't in the gym or wasn't in the, like, uh, lunchroom. So she wouldn't have even known about this guy. This guy has no bearing on the, uh, um, you know, on the pageant. So did Denise Richards murder that guy or was it actually a hunting accident? And is the movie intentionally just trying to leave that open-ended or did they forget to address something? I think it's 100% Denise Richards killed him. And I think it's just like, Oh, daughter's taken after mother of just like anyone in our way. We're going to just get rid of like, and I think that, I don't know. She probably didn't know about her mom's, maybe she did. 
doings, but like I think that's kind of just telling you what kind of family this is of mm-hmm. like oops. <laughs> We won't receive any backlash for this, so I whatever. Think, I mean, the major thing about the boyfriend or gentleman caller <laughs> is that that is another thing that Kirsten Dunst takes as a something bad is going to happen to her because yeah. she gets the 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 photo in in the uh, in the locker. So I I would assume that, but also at the time, you also think that Denise Richards could very well be have blown up the, the tractor and stuff. So I, I think that maybe they kind of forgot about it to come back yeah. to it, but it seems pretty clear that there was, you know, pretty clear that I, I must, it probably was Denise Richards, but you know, I don't know. And I mean, it might've been Kirstie Alley. Like if Denise Richards had like came home from school that day and complained about it, but it's like, and I don't know if like, maybe there should have been a scene of just like, I don't know, maybe Kirstie Alley killed him because she doesn't need Denise Richards getting distracted by boys at this point. Like, you know, who cares? Like, you don't need a crush right now. You need to focus. But, yeah, it just kind of never was addressed. Well, who addressed... I I guess then that leads me to my question of, obviously we know from her delightful villain monologue that Kirstie Alley blew up the sports lesbian... She's not, they don't say she's a lesbian at all, but she's just like, she's got a hot. But Katie knows. She's got, she's got high achieving sporty lesbian vibes for me. Yes. Um, but she says she blew up the, the tractor, but do we, what did Kirstie Alley put the photo of the tractor exploding with your next written on the back in her locker? Was that Denise Richards? It doesn't. Yeah, that's a good re- point. It doesn't really matter. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, Kirstie Alley is seen being at the school at different points, including yeah. when she's, like, checking out all of the wrestlers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we. I think we've really nailed down some of the, the, the major plot holes of Drop Dead Gorgeous. <laughs> which I'm, Damn. I, I, Litton, you're right. That, that stuff never occurred to me. But, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. The other thing I was going to throw out there is um, – like, I'm wondering how how much of an oddity this is. I'm sure there are a handful, but, like, how often do you see a comedy that has this many women as the focus? Because mm-hmm. the bulk of the cast, the bulk of who's carrying the plot and the jokes in the mm-hmm. cast are women. Other than you have two judges that do some comedic stuff here and there, <laughs> and you have uh, one of the judges' brother which we already talked about, like Will Sasso's character. Dusty mentioned the mayor. These are all, and there's a dad, um, Denise Richards' dad. So there's like some very peripheral male characters, but the bulk of the screen time is all women and the bulk of the roles are all women. And I was trying to think, I mean, obviously there's plenty of sexism in Hollywood, but I was trying to think of like how many films there are with this sizable female cast for a comedy. And like Bridesmaids is one, uh, Bridesmaids doesn't have as many women, I don't feel. And then it also has a couple, like, boyfriendy characters that, you know, uh, ha- carry some weight at different points. But, yeah, how many others uh, can we think of? There's Steel Magnolias immediately comes to mind. Although, is that... Was that as a comedy? Yeah, I was about to say, well, there are, yeah. funny, there are, fun, there are funny parts. Yeah. You know, I like that armadillo cake the guy has. I would say uh, 
another Kristen Dunst vehicle, Bring It On. Like that's oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a ton of women. Um I mean, yeah, it's, mean, it's rare. Mean Girls has a lot of like the primary characters are all women, but there there mm-hmm. are you know there are men who have like are like relative like have a fair number of lines and are in the you know in the in the plot um, yeah. as side characters. Yeah. And I guess both of those like Mean Girls and Bring It On like the one of the driving plots is the love story like the love interest. And with this movie, we get rid of the love interest pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> like, that stops mattering, like, early yeah. on. Like, I was kind of thinking, like, maybe it wasn't so much for the plot as much as it was to, to get rid of that studio note of being like, there's got to be a main dude. There's got to be, like, a love reason that she keeps doing things. <laughs> Where's the quarterback? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, like, you kill him off early enough, then, you know, it becomes integral to the plot, and you don't have to go back there and justify that. Maybe. Well, can... Yeah, I loved how there was not the quarterback boyfriend. Mm-hmm. But can we talk about how supportive Amy Adams' boy toy yes. is? Yes. Like, yes. They are oh. so, him and his whole, like, friend group are just like, yeah! <laughs> when she, when she, he's he's kind of supportive until the end when she says that she got second place. Right. He's, oh, like, so he he's, like, he's like, second runner-up third yeah like i loved i loved his supportive energy him and his friend group show up to this pageant they're a bunch of bros but they're just like i mean he has written across his chest like he's just so pumped for his girlfriend um and then like because he was very excited when she got a second runner-up like he cheered and was like yeah but then outside she was like i got second and he was like no you got third and she, like walks away and I'm like I don't get that switch what happened I I also I when he tore off his shirt as he was yelling in cheers for her I thought that was so funny but I wonder to what extent you know I think that they wanted to have another line of Amy Adams being funny and ditzy and thinking she right. got second so you know I, I maybe there was that but but yeah I did find his his character I did find him and pretty funny because and oftentimes you know is there anything um less likable than a cinematic teenage boy i say (laughs) i I say nay (laughs) yeah i like i got the sense that like if she actually is pregnant like they're gonna stick it out and she's they're gonna stay in that town forever but i'm like she's good like she went that's gonna be great she worked her way through school right right yes she did (laughs) she worked in the philippines yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, that's I, I, right. I, yeah. I don't. I don't think her story ended. Her story happy, does not on. end well. I um, mean, she could be out there living her best life. We don't know, but uh, it didn't. Know. It didn't sound great. Um, but uh, on the like female cast, has anyone seen? I may have seen bits of this when it was on HBO or something. But has anyone seen Sugar and Spice? Because that is the same writer. No. And I, I wondered. I know that focuses on like teen. I think like cheerleaders robbing a bank or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, where well, they have their yeah. creepy masks. Yeah, I know about it, but I haven't seen it. Actually, okay. it was it's interesting that we we talked about um, some of the movies that have comedies that have primarily female casts. Interesting that all of the ones that you mentioned, except Bridesmaids, is about high school, right, or teenage mm. girls in general. Yeah. You know, um, I, I have no I have no you know salient point about that, but it just it just <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting. interesting. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. maybe that's because like. I think your friend group is the largest 
in high school and college and like it just dwindles as you get older so i think like we all die alone eventually you know so it's a sad point i'm just like yeah that's kind of yeah that is interesting um you know but um i don't know adult women what a drag we are you know with our (laughs) so yeah. Uh, on another note, um, <laughs> I read, uh, so I guess there was some, like, there's a different ending originally. So Kirstie Alley originally committed suicide in prison, oh. and the the sniper was the old librarian lady, which <laughs> is kind of funny in a very random way, right. that she would just, like, go insane and start shooting at people. Yeah. But I don't, it doesn't really make sense in stuff that they had presented prior to that. Um, but I guess like it was changed cause it was like negatively received by test audiences, which like, I'm cool with the librarian going nuts, but Kirstie Alley killing herself in prison, even for the darkness of this movie, I don't know how you play that and get a laugh out of it. Like, I mean, I'm all for like dark comedy and you can do stuff in ways and make it work. And she's definitely a villain and she's killed mm-hmm. people, but you know, you took it to about as far, I think, as you could go when Kirstie Alley is indirectly slash directly responsible for her own daughter's fiery death. Like, I don't know. How do you shoot that scene? Or do you just have a thing come up on screen that says Poochie died on the way back to his home planet? Like where he just mentioned Kirstie Alley hung herself in prison. So it's an I tried to see if there was if they were like that got released online or anything, but I couldn't find anything to see how they did it. That that is, that is pretty dark. I could see though, if there was some sort of, um, like humorous, you know, darkly humorous, you know, fatal mishap at prison or, you know, that she got into some sort of like, you know, shiv battle and was killed by somebody that's called, you know, um, you know, sugar tit Sally, whatever. Um, <laughs> but a, just a suicide in prison is never. It's hard to be. It's hard to make that you know funny. I would say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other bit of trivia I saw was that I guess the people who originally sought for um, the mother of Kirsten Dunst, so. Ellen Barkin's character mm-hmm. and for Kirstie Alley's character, they had originally tried to get Goldie Hawn to be Ellen Barkin's character, which Goldie Hawn definitely had like the comedic that background for that. that been really good. And then Sigourney Weaver for uh, Kirstie Alley's character, which like, I like Sigourney Weaver a lot. She's not done a whole lot of like comedic stuff. She's been mm-hmm. in comedies, but she's usually kind of like a straight woman in them. Oh, like yeah. in ghost yeah. in Ghostbusters, she's not really like, jokey yeah um she's in the movie dave and she might have a few lines here and there like galaxy Uh, quest Mm -hmm. galaxy quest is probably the most they gave her to do um she might have been able to do it i don't know if she would have done it better than kirstie alley does though no i don't think so kirstie alley's she'd be great as a monster mom though oh yeah monster stage mom she'd be fantastic Kirstie Alley's performance is so good i can't i (laughs) I thought the whole movie was funny, but I what I was most surprised about was I was like, oh my god. Yeah, Kirstie Alley is really funny. And yeah. I again, you know, for so many years she's sort of been much of her notoriety has been about sort of her weight loss campaign spokesperson journey. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, which certainly, listen, everybody's got to everybody's got to make that cash somehow. But <laughs> it was I, I was so like, oh, man, I was she was such a delightful surprise. It's I definitely walked into this not wanting to like her character as much as I did. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. That, or like her work as much as I did. Uh, and I was like, damn, she's just undeniably good. Like, it's it's just so good. Mm. So, yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> also, her um, assistant person is another character actress that pops oh, up Mindy everywhere. Sterling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's great. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's uh, Frau Farbissena in the Austin Powers movies. Mm-hmm. And then she's mm-hmm. been in a bunch of other stuff, but yeah. that's probably what she's most famous, uh, famously from. Do you yeah. guys, this is off topic, shockingly, but do, <laughs> have you guys rewatched the, those Austin Power movies? Do they... They don't. They don't hold up. I, I haven't watched them. I, I can't imagine they do. I haven't watched them in years, but my I remember my assessment of them. I mean, I I like them a lot. Obviously, as like a teenager, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so some of it's like kind of the the sheen has come off that. But I do remember like the first one being really clever. That there's a lot of like smart stuff in with the dumb stuff. Yeah. And then the second one I think is like not as clever, but still funny and definitely like leaning more into just like dumb and gross out humor. I remember actively disliking the third in the theater, just like, this is just mm. bad, and I've not watched it since. Yeah. Um, but I did see, if we're briefly talking about Mike Myers, he did, uh, they just announced that he's going to do, like, a Netflix, like, miniseries or something. And oh. so it's called The Pentaverit, and it's where he's going to play, like, seven different characters. And the thing that's most interesting to me about that is if anyone's watched So I Married an Axe Murderer, yes. some of the funniest stuff in So I Married an Axe Murderer is when he plays the Scottish dad. And the dad has these like conspiracy theories. And one of them is that there's a group of people who run the world known as the Pentaverit. And he lists like, it's like the Queen, the Vatican, the Gettys, the Rothschilds, and Colonel Sanders before he went tets up. So I think they're mining So I Married an Axe Murderer to spin that off into... So I don't know if we're going to get, like, Mike Myers as, like, a Colonel Sanders-like guy and as, like, a queen and, like, rich people. So I don't know. He's been he's been out of the game for a long time. Yeah. I'm just... I'm really glad that there's the possibility of the How I Mar- Married an Axe Matter... X, how I Married whatever, uh, Axe Murderer <laughs> universe is finally going to get expanded upon, right? Like, I've been waiting for that world building for so long. Yeah. I mean, if we're, if we're going to talk about Austin Powers, though, it does remind me of just how utterly fucked this movie was coming out in 1999. Um, it was such an unfair year for movies. Fight Club, a movie that I think we all know pretty well, did not do financially great. But that's just because the movies that were out when Drop Dead Gorgeous came out included Runaway Bride, uh, which was very big at the time, um, Austin Powers, The Matrix, Star Wars Episode One, American Pie was still going strong. The second week Drop Dead Gorgeous was out was the re-release of Blair Witch Project. Oh, yeah. Nineteen ninety nine is like a is famous for yeah. being like an insane year of like yeah. good movies, but also just like culturally huge movies Sixth yeah. Sense was that year yeah uh, was that summer South Park uh bigger longer uncut yeah Disney's Tarzan Wild Wild West oh my god Disney's Tarzan 
Tiffany's no. Tarzan. Uh, the Green Mile came out in 99. Mm-hmm. American Beauty came out in 99. But, like, uh, for, for, for summer movies, there was nowhere you could have put this movie in the summer of 1999 where it probably would have been fine, especially against the comedic juggernaut of American Pie. It's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. so unfair. If this movie came out in 2000, it might have had a chance. Toy Story 2 also came out in 99. Oh, my God. Wow. But, um, uh, another... So didn't... I think... 10 Things I Hate About You also came out in 99, and it also used, you're just too good to be true. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And like in an iconic scene with Keith Ledger in the bleachers. Oh, yeah. And it's like, huh, which one of those is <laughs> holds up better? Like, <laughs> I, I they're pre- both very different. <laughs> I prefer the Denise Richards Jesus dance. I'm going to take a stand. <laughs> you know, I, I think we should at least talk about Denise Richards and her acting. And I think I think this might have been the best use of her talents. She's pretty good in it. Yeah. She doesn't have to do much. Yeah. yeah. But but she but she made it work for what she ha- yeah. had to do. She for, from did, what yeah. I, sorry, but, No, you go ahead. Um, from what I've understood from people who who have worked with her, she's very acutely aware of her limits. And at least in the in the two thousands was very much like I have a chance to make a lot of fucking money, so I'm going to go outside of those limits to get that cash and then just spend the rest of her life doing what she can do. And yeah, I think this movie was very, very smart about knowing, all right, here's where you're gonna be funny, here's what we can set up. Can you sing? No? Perfect. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's cause she has all of these very obviously practiced with her mother completely college interview soulless responses to things with her perfect smile and her dead yeah. eyes and, yeah, and, and she's she's very funny in it even though yeah I, I don't think that I don't know that she would do very well in any of the other roles in the movie but yeah she yeah. she does she is funny in a part that you know I don't know how often you're like wow Denise Richards she's really got those comedy jobs I don't know I haven't seen that much of her work I guess yeah all right, so uh, would we recommend Drop Dead Gorgeous? Absolutely. <laughs> I just, it is so, oh, it, I just think it might be even just like ahead of its time of like, I just don't know why this didn't hit. And I guess I was only 12 in 99, so like I don't, I wasn't seeing it. I didn't see it till last year, but like, I I just can't imagine. I don't know. I need to see. I need to see some of the negative reviews to like understand what people didn't like. Because I think that I don't know. I think there's so much plot. I, I like. I don't know where. I, I think what I saw. Off. I think what I saw. I didn't read full reviews, but I was just looking at some Wikipedia stuff. It was like they just didn't think it was funny enough that mm. there were kind of what I was saying before of like that there were like stretches. But for me, it wasn't like, oh, this is killing the movie for me or there's so many you know bad stretches where it's not working. Um, but I think they just thought it didn't hit enough. So that was part of it. I think that's kind of what like Roger Ebert's review of it. Like he liked the idea of it, but didn't think it like came together. Yeah. But, you know. Uh, I, I I think it's unfair because I think if if nothing else I think it's like a good quirky fun movie I don't think it's a failure by any means. Yeah, it, it's really tough for that time in comedy just because that summer was the South Park movie. It was Big Daddy, American Pie. It's like dude led gross out comedy was kind of the thing that was really nailing it. And I think when you bring in a a 
a, a mostly female cast of really of just varying levels of comedy everything from like really heady good jokes to like beauty queens blowing chunks it, it's a wide range of comedy and i think it's just it was probably i i imagine american pie was very easy to market and drop dead gorgeous was probably at least compared to that i, I throw out, well, from the list you're talking about too dusty there's not really a person that this is held it's uh tied to that's like i want to see this movie because blank is in it because kirsten dunce was not a star and she even since has not become like a comedic star she's been in comedies and stuff but so she's not like a comedic actress you have other good actresses in it but i mean our your biggest star is arguably kirstie alley whose star had even faded by that point and with the movies you're talking about Mm -hmm. like mike myers in austin powers the second austin powers already huge you know he had been in a bunch of hits is on snl uh-huh. um south park already huge on comedy central so when they do a movie there you go american pie didn't have anybody but teen sex comedy is pretty easy to sell and we've you know we know that formula and then um we were talking about some of the other like female-led ones bridesmaids had like every major female actress comedic actress working at the time and led by um you know Kristen Wiig who had been on SNL for so many years and then um Mean Girls like Teen Girls had Lindsay Lohan were drawn to that but then you had Tina Fey was like also on all the posters and everybody knew she wrote it and so she was on SNL so like you had someone kind of at the front of those things to be like, Hey, come see this movie for this reason. I don't think you have anyone like that in this movie. I wonder also, uh, if I don't know that mockumentaries were that big at the time. I, no. I, I remember, you know, it's in 1999. I remember seeing the Blair witch project as sort of a found footage horror movie. And, you know, again, I was 13, so I wasn't that up on cinema, but I remember that being the first thing, anything like that I'd, I'd heard of. Obviously it's much more common. Now you, you had the office who did the same setup. You have parks and recreation. And I, I, but I wonder how primed audiences were for that kind of, that kind of, that component. I, you know, I, I don't know that there were, I, I'm sure there were, but I can't imagine really think of anything besides the Christopher Guest movies. Well, this pre this predates most of those too. Yeah. I mean, like Spinal Tap was eighty four, which he didn't make directly, but I mean, he's obviously right. heavily involved. So Spinal Tap's obviously huge culturally and everything. But um, Waiting for Guffman, I think, is like ninety four, and as great as that is, I don't think that was any massive hit. That was more of a kind of show your friends this movie kind of thing. And then, um, what was the second one? The dog went best in show, best in show was 99 or 2000. Um, I think Dusty, take a look on that. But I could have sworn, I could have sworn that was like 2002, 2000. Okay, well, I, I think it's after this movie, which is 99. And yeah. then, um, uh, A Mighty Wind was like 2004, I think. So, oh, it's 2000. Wow. Okay, so Best in Show came after this, and that was like a fairly decent hit and then mighty wind came out and that was a decent hit so by that point you'd had three christopher guest movies and people were kind of like paying more attention in the indie circuit yeah so this predates you know other than guffman which like i said was like oh that's a fun movie that i heard about you know um but yeah you're right it the mockumentary format was not utilized the same extent 
But to wrap up, uh, yeah, Dusty, Katie, recommendations. Where are you at on this? I would def. I actually was recommending it to my cousin's wife this afternoon before we recorded this podcast, and she is, you know, maybe a couple years younger than me, but but grew up with the same cultural touchstones of of movies and things. And the more I told her about it, the, the more how did I how have I not seen this movie kind of came up. And yeah, I think that I would definitely recommend it, even. I was even talking it up to my dad, who is, you know, not a big uh, comedies in general guy, but I, I do think it's it's really funny, you know, for not just sort of the people that I know would like it, but also I think a lot of wider audience than you might think would, would watch, like it if they watched it on Netflix mm. or whatever. Dusty? Uh, yeah, absolutely. It, I, I'm really happy it still holds up as well as it does. It's, it's just so much fun. I kind of feel it's it's the same reason I really liked early seasons of Rest of Development. I feel like I find something new to make me laugh each time I watch it. It's just, it's very dense with jokes. Um, and it, it's one of those movies that I feel confident telling people that if you can't find a place where it's streaming, you can buy this on DVD or Blu-ray or VHS if that's your goddamn thing. And it's not, it's not going to be a waste of your money. It's actually it's going to be perfectly fine. Yeah, for me, uh, I definitely recommend. It's a, it's a solid comedy, a lot of good standout bits. And like I said, even when it's not being like laugh out loud funny, it's still like clever and charming. And there's some nice social satire and small town Americana satire going on in it. So yes, uh, very much recommend uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous. And I would say like, it's also a recommendation for this show. We've done a lot of like conditional recommendations of like, well, if you, if you like this kind of thing, or if you're in this camp, or if you like horror this is one that like outside of the fact that some people die but they die in comedic ways and nothing's really grisly i don't know there's not really much like language in it right there's like some swearing at yeah. points I, what what is the rating is it pg-13 or r or does anybody know what is, hmm. I, I honestly don't know there's, pg-13 but yeah there's no like sex in it of any you know extent yeah. or anything there's no nudity so yeah i mean yeah, there are slurs so watch out yeah <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, this is one that like, I would think like most people, you know, especially like above childhood age can watch, um, you know, it, it does take a little bit of, you know, like recognizing stuff that's satirizing. So you might have to be a little bit older to appreciate some of it. But yeah, definite recommendation for me, bringing me to can I find this? This is one that you really can't get anywhere. Um, it looks, at least from my research, you can't find it on streaming unless one of these folks uh, was able to find it somewhere. So uh, last year, when I watched it, it was on streaming. That's why I yeah. watched it. But I for, I think it might have been Hulu. It was like the 20th anniversary yeah. in 2019. I think it was on Hulu for a while. And then they pulled it. So I had to buy it on Blu-ray. Yeah, I saw yeah, I saw some articles when I was looking it up and it was saying that it was on Hulu and maybe something else right around the anniversary. But yeah, then they just like, ah, all right, that's enough of that. Um, because I tried to look around at like the normal places I look for streaming options and I wasn't seeing it. So it could be on some like weird one somewhere, but it wasn't popping out of like, oh, you can get it here, 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 and here. So I don't know. It might not be out there at all right now, but you can get it on DVD. And it recently came out on Blu-ray for the first time, like, uh, a few months ago, or it might have been, like, the fall or something. Um, 
that came out on Warner Archive, which uh, if you get any media is uh, is a great thing to keep an eye on. Warner Archive, like they take out classics and they take like kind of lesser known films like this. So, you know, Warner Brothers owns tons of stuff. So the Batman movies are always going to be on Blu-ray, but something like Drop Dead Gorgeous had never been put on Blu-ray since Blu-ray was created. And so the Warner Archive is set up to so many a year they go back and they'll release something new that has never been put out. So Drop Dead Gorgeous got that treatment um, just recently. So I was able to grab a copy of that. So it is out on Blu-ray. It is out on DVD if you are looking for a copy of Drop Dead Gorgeous. And that wraps us up for Drop Dead Gorgeous. We'll be back next time, and we're going to be looking at The Avengers. See you then.